On this week's Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, I'll talk to Dr. Paul Abramowitz, CEO of ASHP, on their response to the pandemic. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by The Ohio State University Lashley Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and The Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Prior to joining ASHP in September 2011, Dr. Abramowitz worked in hospitals and health systems for 34 years. He served as Associate Hospital Director for Professional Services and Chief Pharmacy Officer at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, as well as Professor at the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy. In addition to serving as Treasurer of ASHP from 2007 to 2010 and its President from 1993 to 1994, he also chaired the board of the ASHP Research and Education Foundation. In addition, he chaired the Iowa Board of Pharmacy and the Iowa Statewide Poison Control Center. Dr. Abramowitz received a bachelor's degree in chemistry and biology from Indiana University, a bachelor's degree in pharmacy from the University of Toledo, and a doctor of pharmacy degree from the University of Michigan, also completing his residency at the University of Michigan. Dr. Abramowitz has actively combined practice, teaching, and research throughout his career. He has lectured and published extensively focusing on the effect of pharmacists and improving patient outcomes, developing new care models, reducing adverse drug events, and expanding comprehensive medication management to the ambulatory setting. He is the recipient of many awards and recognitions, including the John W. Webb Lecture Award, the Harvey A.K. Whitney Lecture Award, which is ASHP's highest honor, the Distinguished Alumni Award from the University of Toledo College of Pharmacy, the Alumni Distinguished Lifetime Achievement Award from the University of Michigan, and in 2013, the Honorary Degree of Doctor of Science from the University of Toledo. In 2015, he was recognized as one of Washington's trending association leaders by BizNow. And currently, Dr. Abramowitz serves on the boards of the American Nurses Foundation, the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board, and the GTMRX Institute. He is also a member of the National Steering Committee for Patient Safety of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and a Professor Emeritus at the University of Iowa. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Um, There's certainly a long history of exemplary pharmacy care at Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center, which I know that you and 
your entire team continue to build upon substantially. So it's really a pleasure for me to be here with you today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to talk to you. I know you and I have known each other for you know quite some time, and I, I always miss my uh, or, I, or I missed this year's meeting with you at the ASHP. I know it was a great virtual success. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I missed even taking a half an hour to update you on what's happening and seeing how you're doing. So it's really great to get this opportunity to talk to someone who leads such a large organization such as yours. And, you know, on December 14th, when the vaccine rolled out, Paul, um, when I was watching the news coverage, you know, obviously Ohio State was included in that, watching all the health system pharmacists giving immunizations, I'm just not so sure that would have happened even 10 years ago. And, and I, it's got to be really, um, it's got to really fill you with a sense of pride to see health system pharmacists really at the forefront of the vaccination efforts. So what did you think when you saw all those health system pharmacists giving all those vaccines on national TV? Well, you know, absolutely. I sort of got uh, goosebumps and yeah. uh, it was it was just wonderful to see if, you know, we know um, the extremely essential role that all pharmacists play uh, in the care of our patients in, in many, many different ways. Um, but this really uh, helped bring it forth to the public. Uh all, all people across our nation that, you know, that pharmacists uh, are, are deeply involved in their health care, um, you know, by showing uh, a lot of our members, uh, including yourself, uh, on national news, uh, giving vaccination. So it was just, uh, just wonderful to see. It was great to see. So just tell me, tell us a little bit. Obviously, most folks know your organization, but I didn't realize the breadth and scope of the organization. So just tell us, describe a little bit about ASHP, how many members, sort of kind of the scope that you guys have, because I was really impressed when I read how many members there are. Well, well, thanks, Bob. I'm happy to do that and, and very, very proud to do so. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm <laughs> yes. the CEO of ASHP, so you can take everything I say with a grain of salt, but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, of course, be very honest. Um, we've grown tremendously um, uh, over the course of uh, ASHP's lifetime. Um, we're 78 years old, and I think I've got that right. I think we celebrated our 75th anniversary about three years ago. Um, and uh, currently, we we have fifty eight thousand members, and we've been growing at at a rapid clip, and and we we continue to grow. And of course, that's comprised of uh, a very large group of uh, what we call active members, which are pharmacists, and that of course includes pharmacy residents and so forth. But we also have a, a, a large number of students in our membership, and and also a very a rapidly growing number of, of pharmacy technicians. We're, of course, based in Bethesda, Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, we have a staff of about 230 people, um, paid staff, and, of course, a, a huge and extremely active uh, volunteer membership and volunteer leadership, which contributes immensely um, uh, to our, our success. And, of course, um, you know, many of you know, but for those of you who don't know, we also serve as the national accrediting body for all pharmacy residency programs yes. in the U.S. And we have a growing international presence in residency accreditation and uh, um, uh, 
uh, other areas. And of course, we do all the, what you would expect, uh, advocacy activities, huge educational services uh, division. We publish uh, at any one given time between 100 and 150 different uh, books on uh, drug therapy, pharmacy practice, and the like, which of course are available electronically and on hard copy. Mm-hmm. And um, we have uh, a number of meetings. Of course, you're familiar and mentioned our mid-year clinical meeting, uh, which generally uh, uh, has an attendance now of about 25,000 people. We have our annual meeting in June, and we have two other annual conferences, our preceptors conference and uh, and our leadership conference. That's just a little bit about the uh, size and scope of uh, of ashp but thank you for asking bob always i'm always happy to talk about it <laughs> i like to brag about my department too paul so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so okay it's march of 2020 march 13th i think was the date for us and all of a sudden governor of ohio says everything's got to close basically schools close everybody life grinds to a halt so the pandemic starts so what was ASHP's response when the, all the news first hit around, you know, pandemic and you know quarantines and all those things? Well, um, you know, we um, like everyone else, uh, uh, we had to uh, quickly move, um, decide uh, what our new priorities will be, um, what our members would need to help uh, try to control this pandemic. Um, and we recognize that um, we had to be fluid. Uh, we had to uh, really embrace change at, at a level that we may have never done before um, to provide all the products and services our members need. But also um, we recognize we, we also need to keep the organization running, stay true to our mission and uh, our core values and the, the, the other services that members need uh, while at the same time providing the additional services uh, needed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, one of the, the first decisions, of course, we had to make like uh, uh, many other organizations around the country, of course, hospitals and health systems can't close, but we were in a position um, uh, to be able to operate remotely. Um, of our 230 staff prior to the pandemic, we, we had about 50 people that, that worked remotely anyway. So we, we knew how to do it. We knew we could do it successfully. So in a matter of a day or two, we made the decision. And uh, one day, the, the large, uh, the, 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 the majority of our staff who came to the office <laughs> every day, we're in the office and the next day they weren't. Um, so we, we had to manage that effectively, which I think yeah, we did, sure. did a good job of. Um, one other thing I'll mention is that um, we we realized and, and, and knew that we needed to quickly uh, get information from our members on the front lines of practice. Um, uh, and uh, we quickly set up calls with directors of pharmacy, chief pharmacy officers and so forth, particularly in the surge cities. So right away, particularly in, in New York City, to find out what their needs were, what 
was happening, also Detroit and, and so forth. So some of those are some of the things we did right away. Yeah, and I know, I know too, just based on the information you sent me, that we also allowed others to see, uh, open the access to publications and various information to folks outside of ASHP membership, which I think is not only is it generous, but it really shows a sign of collaboration between all the healthcare professions, Paul, and you guys should be congratulated. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, one of the things that, um, you know, as I mentioned, we reached out uh, to directors of pharmacy and, and uh, we quickly learned that, that, that all the, uh, the, the chief pharmacy officers in the, in the greater New York City area uh, set up, um, uh, I think it was at least weekly, maybe a couple times a week calls in the evening. And uh, we joined those calls. And one of the things we heard from them very early on was that with all these ICU COVID patient admissions, um, uh, we we need more ICU critical care trained pharmacists. Um, and in essence, what we need to do is we need to take clinical pharmacists that normally might practice uh, on a general medicine unit, a cardiology unit, et cetera. And um, we need to quickly enhance their skills at caring for critical care patients. So that led us to make a decision that, well, we have um, uh, critical care uh, certification and recertification resources for those who wish to become board certified in, mm-hmm. in critical care pharmacy. Um, and we made the decision right away to say, we're going to provide those free of charge. Yeah. Uh, wow. And, and they're, they're, they're quite in depth, as you might imagine, and oh, yeah. a lot of information. And I'll tell you, we, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the number now, Bob, you know, the, the memory isn't what it used to be, but um, <laughs> we, yeah, we were blown away that within about a month or two, um, we had over um, uh, over thirty thousand uh, individuals who took a, who took advantage oh of utilizing that particular resource free, and and they just didn't just sign up for it because you know our systems allowed us to see that sure. they were actually accessing it. Wow, and, and 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 going through it. So that's one of the things we did, and we also opened up our member-only resources to any health, any pharmacist, any healthcare professional, if it had anything to do with uh, uh, COVID or the treatment of COVID patients. So we're uh, this is a leadership podcast, and your your example as the leader, Paul, to because obviously there was a revenue hit with that, right? You didn't make the revenue that you would normally make if you were charging for those. So as a leader, making that decision to be collaborative and open, regardless of sort of the financial piece, takes leadership courage. And it also takes a bit of, you know, stamina in terms of and real skill in terms of really managing an organization that also has an increased workload from that as well. So to all the folks listening on this call, Dr. Abramowitz is really, uh, Show, really casting the shadow of a leader that should be cast, which is in dire situations, making decisions that help the common good versus not necessarily the organization. So I, that, I, when, when I read that in the information, Paul, I was really, really impressed and did not know that. So kudos, 
kudos to ASHP. Well, thank you, Bob. But, you know, really, um, the, 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 the credit shouldn't go to me. I, I was able to make that decision. And, and when I say I, it was really our, our senior leadership team altogether, but only because um, uh, we knew that we have uh, a team and a staff that was capable of stepping up and, and making that extra effort and also creatively being able to manage um, uh, everything else we do to to make it feasible for us to forgo those resources and put all that extra energy in. Yeah, that's, it really is. It really is admirable. It really is. So obviously you have a remarkable reach through SHP and, you know, you have 58,000 members all over the country. And, you know, facilitating knowledge is really important. Tell, tell me some of the ways you guys facilitated knowledge to all these members throughout the pandemic. Well, thanks, Bob. Um, we're very uh, proud of our reach uh, with 58,000 members and, and many others who, who are not members that utilize uh, our resources available on our website and, and so forth. But, you know, we, we knew we have a strong obligation to ensure meeting our members' needs throughout the pandemic uh, from the very start. And so I can tell you there was a very steep learning curve. And mm -hmm. we participated in many conference calls and roundtable discussions, as I mentioned, with uh, mm -hmm. pharmacy hospital leadership. Um, and we, we learned from that. Um, we also decided we need to share information as quickly as possible. Um, and one of the ways we did it was through uh, a free webinar series dedicated to COVID-19 response, um, daily podcasts, and uh, uh, making sure that we got uh, emerging COVID scientific literature out uh, to our members. Yeah, I mean, it was, to me, the COVID-19 emails were very important because, again, it kept updating all of these, this great information. It was very helpful to us as we navigated, particularly the whole hydroxychloroquine issue and how ASHP responded to that. It was just amazing. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, you had to, you had to pivot the organization, Paul, to respond uh, to this crisis. So what, what leadership strategies did you use to kind of leverage the organization and help guide them through this process? Because you had to kind of flip on a dime from March one day, the next day, nobody's there, <laughs> you know, working. You've got to organize that. Then you've got to organize an information campaign and help all the health system pharmacists understand how to best manage this patient population. How, how did you as a leader do that? Well, that's a great question, Bob. And, and, and I can tell you it was a tremendous uh, uh, team effort. And, and a big reason why uh, we could do that at ASHP and exactly the reason why you can do that at the Ohio State is that um, you've been able to successfully um, build uh, yeah. a great team. And so uh, the work we had done in years past in building this team and continually enhancing the team uh, allowed us to be very nimble um, in this time of crisis or great change, I'll call it. And um I think one of the most important things a leader can do is to rely on that team, but 
to empower that team to lead within areas of their responsibility, give them the flexibility uh, to make decisions, utilize resources, and, and trust them. And, you know, if you have a good team, they're going to do the right things. Absolutely. And you do have a great team, by the way. I mean, Casey and Doug and Dan Cove, all those folks are just tremendous leaders and tremendously competent as well. You know, and I might I might add that Doug Shekelhoff, um, one of our senior vice presidents, of course, you know, is, is oh, an is Ohio grad? State grad. And, you know, being a Michigan grad myself, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, I, I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble, but Doug is fantastic. And uh, I've oftentimes times told him, Doug, you've, you look how far you've gone and look how much further you could have gone if you had gone to Michigan. No, of course, I'm kidding. And please, I don't want to get letters and emails from all the Ohio State people. Everybody kind of knows that we kind of go back and forth about Michigan. In fact, I always make a bet with Stan Kent every year about the football game. And we, we just sort of, we have a great relationship with the University of Michigan. By the way, it's a tremendous medical center and tremendous university. And there's a lot that we can learn from Michigan. So, I mean, you're, you know, your comments are, 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 are great in that. Uh, it's always nice to kind of have this friendly rivalry between the two places. I think it only helps us to be better, quite honestly. And, you know, one of the things that you've, you've talked about is transparent communication. So how did you make sure the the communication within your organization and externally was as transparent as you could be? Well, you know, we've been working on that for a number of years. And, and, you know, as as, uh, uh, many uh, leaders oftentimes say, you you cannot communicate enough. And and, uh, so over the past uh, years, we've been continually trying to enhance our communication. Um, and we had to step it up several notches to do that. We, we uh, uh, particularly communication about what we're doing, um, one, in terms of advocacy around yeah. COVID-19, but also in terms of uh, what we're learning from all of our members. And, and one of the things we realized, again, early on was that the, the, in the surge cities like New York, Detroit, mm-hmm. and, and others, um, uh, as as with everyone in healthcare, we were learning as we went, mm-hmm. and um, we we felt the need to, and we were we were actually uh, uh, told by the uh, chief pharmacy officers in New York that we need to get this information out around the country. Yeah. So when COVID spreads, as we knew it would, our members would be prepared. So we tried then to get as much on the ground information from New York, from Detroit out to uh, all of our membership. So through every channel we had, um, social media channels, yeah. um, mm-hmm. getting out a lot of press releases to try to get it out to the general public. Um, and, you know, we, we were, we were uh, a little concerned that we're putting out too much information to our yeah, membership, too yeah. much to read, but we, 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 we had to achieve an appropriate balance with that. I didn't think it was too much to read. I, I like the, you know, the headlines are always nice. You put the headline out that says, you know, this is the newest treatment or whatever in the COVID-19. I think that's very helpful because you can digest what you want to and, you know, leave the others to read, do the other stuff maybe to read later. So, I mean, I didn't think it was overwhelming at all. In fact, it was comforting to see that ASHP was so connected 
In terms of advocacy, you know, we've talked about early on, there was all those issues with drug shortages and how does it, how did ASHP respond to, for example, the pharmacy directors in New York around drug shortages? I know that information you sent me talks a little bit about, about that. And so how did, uh, how did you guys deal with them? I mean, they were really hurting at the time. Yeah. You know, and, and we've always, uh, 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 been doing everything we can at ASHP for years and trying to mitigate the uh, the continued drug shortage problem that 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 we've had and and what we learned from the New York City uh, chief pharmacy officers was that they were very early on beginning to see shortages um, in in various uh, drugs used in treating COVID. 19 patients in the ICU, whether it was medications like propofol or fentanyl, midazolam, paralytics, and others. And it was obvious that uh, they couldn't get enough. Um, right. And, and uh, we began to look at every way we could. So we communicated uh, with the manufacturers of those drugs. We worked very closely with our partners in the healthcare distribution community. Um, we worked with uh, the FDA and, and DEA to, one, bring this to their attention strongly right? and, and, and the problems that were going to occur. So in other words, we, we, they were aware of an impending ventilator shortage. They were aware of a PPPE shortage, shortage but um, they were not aware of many of these organizations uh, and agencies of these drug shortages. Um, and uh, I, I think we were, were, were pretty successful not only bringing this to the attention of these organizations and individuals, but helping them uh, create a better way to allocate and distribute these drugs uh, appropriately so uh, patients could be treated. The other thing I might mention that we did is we put out a lot of information um, from the literature and from what we were learning from people on the ground about treatment methods and modalities for COVID-19 patients. Um, yes. and, and the best scientific literature um, related to information that was coming out about drugs that may or may not be effective in treating COVID patients. So we attempted to get the best information out to our pharmacists managing the care of their COVID patients or trying to prevent patients from getting COVID about what the facts were, um, what, uh, uh, about uh, various drug therapies. It was interesting you say that I had a really great conversation with John Gravenstein, who um, obviously, as you know, is sort of the father of pharmacy-based uh, immunization. And he talked a, a lot about how pharmacists can help to dispel some of these, some of this misinformation, even amongst healthcare providers, right? I mean, there's still healthcare providers that that talk about those issues with vaccine, for example, that don't that aren't really based in science. And so I think it's great to have, you know, ASHP's role in that and really, really important. But I think what's really been important and impressive to me, Paul, is the mid-year virtual presentation that you guys conducted in December. Obviously, this has been a huge disruptor. Pandemic's been a huge disruptor. And that was a wonderful meeting, Paul. It was wonderful. I, the only regret I have is that I was in a COVID 
2019 task force meeting when Dr. Fauci was speaking. <laughs> I did not get it. I did not. And I did not realize that it was not recorded, which I'm assuming there are reasons for that, which is perfectly fine. But I just was very disappointed that I wasn't able to hear him. But I, I heard it was one of the highlights of the, of the mid-year clinical meeting. So so tell us a little bit about how you how you led ASHP's efforts to do that, obviously as part of the team, but then now how are you continuing to kind of lead ASHP and do the business you need to, to do plus the business of the pandemic? Tell us a little bit about the virtual mid-year and then how you're keeping things going now at ASHP. Sure. Well, um, uh, we, we were uh, honored to have uh, Dr. Fauci as uh uh, one of our two uh, keynote speakers, um, of course, uh, Tom Hanks was, was the other, yeah. um, you know, and he was able to talk about his own personal experience uh, with COVID. He and his wife, of course, uh, had COVID and, and recovered successfully from it. Um, you know, the, the mid-year meeting, and here I'll, I'll speak as uh, ASHP CEO and boast a little bit, but it's the largest <laughs> gathering of pharmacy professionals in the world. And, um, uh, you know, so we, we had to make a, a decision quickly. Uh, uh, do we want to have this meeting? Uh, and we decided um, that we needed to. Um, uh, our members uh needed to be able to convene and and they needed the continued educational resources that the mid-year meeting uh, provides them. They needed to hear, we thought from Dr. Fauci uh, and and others, um, we worked very quickly once we made the decision to have the meeting and do it virtually to try to make it as uh, as as natural and as close to uh, uh, an in-person meeting as possible. Now, you know, we recognize that the, the direct interaction and the socialization and so forth can't can't occur virtually, but I think we got a, a, a good platform and we're able to successfully on through that platform replicate all the aspects of the meeting. We also thought it was extremely important that, you know, we, we have our, our residency showcases. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, organizations uh, had to continue recruiting residents, and uh, that's mm -hmm. the time of year we do it. So there were many reasons why we had to have that meeting, and we worked very hard to try to design it um, um, uh, so that um, it would be effective in, in, in meeting um, our members' needs. Um, from a, a leadership perspective, you know, we just had to look at things completely differently and and we have a very creative staff and and creativity yeah. is an extremely important ingredient necessary when you have to make these rapid shifts and changes uh and to set a clear course for for your organization and we were able to adapt and change course uh to meet the needs of our our stakeholders um so we're, we were very proud of the mid-year meeting. We actually had our highest attendance ever. And I'll tell you, Bob, at the beginning. Should be very proud. Yeah. At the beginning, um, uh, I was thinking, well, you know, this is going to be a virtual meeting. Um, it's going to be in December, well after the pandemic started. Uh, and, you know, individuals 
all organizations were having virtual meetings, not all, but many and, and Zoom calls and everything else. And I was uh, concerned that, um, well, you know, people are going to be a little tired of, of these virtual meetings. And as we got closer and closer to the date of the mid-year, particularly as, as we got into August, September and so forth, when we opened it up for registration, I was thinking that, well, you know, I hope we have, I hope we have at least 10,000 people. Yeah. Yes. And we ended up um, with almost 28,000. That's amazing, Paul. Congratulations. And uh, so we, we, we were very happy with that and, and happy with the quality of education and services um, we were able to provide. I hope I'm answering your question, Bob. Um, oh, I, you I, are. I, I actually don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> it, was just, it was more describing, describing, <laughs> well, uh, more describing the mid-year, virtual mid-year. But then obviously leadership, and you, do really, you really described it, Paul, which was the leadership that was that you need, that the group organization needed to do that was being creative and really taking everything that they had learned in their experiences of working in a professional organization and apply them to a virtual meeting of such proportion. Uh, it's really, it's really an amazing feat, honestly. And it's, and it's again, something you really should be proud of. And uh, I, again, you know, we talked about that vaccine rollout and, and how, um, Pharmacies really integrally involved in that, and just maybe you can just give us a few talking points about what ASHP, how ASHP has helped in the vaccine rollout. Well, thank you, Bob. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, uh, we we recognized early on that that um, there are a number of things we needed to, to help our members do. You know, first and foremost, at, at the beginning and, and throughout this pandemic, is to provide the best care, the best medication therapy for patients who have COVID-19. But equally so, how are we going to participate in ensuring that this nation gets all those who wish to be vaccinated, vaccinated, and at the same time addressing the issue that you mentioned before of uh, how are we going to address vaccine hesitancy? Um, so one of the first things we did is... Uh, well, not the first thing, but um, this past September, um, we decided uh, we want to um, issue some guiding principles for COVID vaccine uh, development, distribution, allocation, and mass immunization to help drive the conversation uh, in action amongst our, our healthcare and public policy communities. So we published those 10 guiding principles um, in September, and we shared highlights from these principles during uh, uh, a um, listening session with the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. And, and during that listening session, we strongly advocated for pharmacists to be among prioritized groups for vaccination, one, because they weren't in the top group at that time, and mm -hmm. secondly, to reinforce the critical role that pharmacists are going to play and want to play in this unprecedented mass immunization effort. Absolutely. And we continue with that today. In fact, we, in the last, uh, we, we, we've met um, with, uh, uh, I, I believe it was in uh, December, um, 
late December with uh, three members of the um, the Biden, the overall Biden transition team to discuss wow. this and also discuss the broader role that pharmacists play and educate them about the role that pharmacists play uh, in healthcare. care, uh, uh, you know, in general. Um, and we continue to do everything we can uh, to um, ensure that this country quickly gets its uh, its citizens um, um, uh, vaccinated. And let me just say that we very recently published a new guidance document on the security, storage, and handling oh, yes. of COVID-19 vaccines. And it yeah. includes general best practices for cold chain storage and, and monitoring, um, uh, management of vaccines and preparation for administration, and, and then equally important, the safety and security measures that yes. we all need to have to make sure that we don't have mishandling, spoilage, or, or even diversion. Yeah, because we've <clears throat> there's recently been some articles uh, and some news you know briefings about some pharmacies that have had issues with storage where doses have been wasted and you know it's i think it's a critical part of the whole of the whole vaccination program is making sure that we all have the proper systems in place to prevent wasted or expired and even diverted uh, medications to your point so and i i really appreciate the fact that ashp has uh, has put that out and Paul, it's been great to, to, to talk to you. The one, sort of the one final question is what, what leadership lessons do you have that you've learned from this that you can uh, provide some sage guidance to our residents who are on this call There's a, or on this you know, podcast? There's lots of folks listening who are residents. So what, is, what are the leadership lessons you learned that you, might, that you feel might be important to our residents? Well, um, you know, Bob is, is you know, they're, we always have lessons to learn, and yeah. and and, uh, and especially uh, uh, when you're facing adversity, and you know, as we all have been during the past year. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind um, that I would say uh, uh, to your residents, and I'm sure you've uh, spoken with them about this many times, is that when you're leading through a period and let's say, let's call it extended unpredictability. Yeah. Um, in addition to dealing with those issues, it's important to also remain true to the values and missions of your healthcare system, your profession, uh, in our case, our, our organization, ASHP. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you absolutely have to be flexible and when you set a course, you have to be ready to change that course when necessary. Um, uh, so you've got to balance uh, the longer term needs with the very short term needs and, and creativity. I cannot overemphasize is a must and being willing to empower your team to be um, uh, creative. I, I would go on to say that at SHP, um, uh, we learned that although our content focus became dominated by the COVID-19 uh, response and recovery efforts, uh, we made sure our goals remain the same, and that is to deliver all the tools and resources our members need 
to best care um, uh, for their patients. I would also say it's, it's vitally important as a leader to empower everyone within your organization. As, and as I mentioned before, listen to all your colleagues and stakeholders. And a mentor of mine once told me to make sure I take advantage of the collective wisdom. So maintaining those open lines of communication amongst all of the ASHP staff and membership was very important to us and helped us immeasurably in terms of, of delivering what we needed um, to deliver to them. And lastly, I'll say, um, while this isn't necessary, necessarily a lesson learned, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say over the past year, we've been constantly reminded of just how remarkable our members are and the depth of their commitment to our profession uh, and the patients um, that they serve. Good leaders foster and recognize that they also have to foster the resilience and well-being of their staff and colleagues, especially during stressful and unpredictable times. Um, so whether our members were on the COVID-19 front lines or in uh, caring for other patients or in supportive roles and our staff, um, uh, leaders should be encouraged uh, to, to give all of their teams the time and resources to check in with themselves, their colleagues and their loved ones so they can continue um, to provide the services to the patients that their patients need. And those are excellent points for our residents to take away from this, Dr. Paul Bramowitz. Paul, thank you very much for being with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know our folks listening to this podcast will as well. So thank you very much and have a great day, Paul. Well, thank you, Bob. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.